Welcome to episode four of The Herald. This is Brendan Flanagan. I hope you've checked out our website at brendanflanagan.com. There you'll find another podcast called So What, where we answer topical biblical questions by going systematically through the scriptures and having biblical conclusions. We also have articles. One recently launched is How to Read the Scriptures. It provides all the tools necessary so you can read the scriptures on your own. You don't need to depend upon a priest, a pastor, or anyone to understand the scriptures. You only need the Bible, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit working in you. And that's what we're going to look at today is the Holy Spirit. How does it work and how does it bring life in the name of God? Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Herald, your weekly verse-by-verse exposition of the Scriptures. This is Brendan Flanagan, and over the past few weeks we've been looking at the Gospel of John. We looked specifically at John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, and John chapter 1, verse 18. We looked at John's purpose for writing the Gospel. He wrote it so that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But more importantly, he wrote the gospel so that in believing Jesus is the Christ, we have life in the name of God. Not mere breathing life, but eternal, abiding life in God. Life originating in God. Life possessed by God. And then we looked at how this promise can be fulfilled. So what? Who cares? Life is in God. The reason that it's so important is that Jesus Christ explains God completely and fully. He provides an exegesis, a full explanation of who God is. This is unique to the world and affronts the postmodern relativistic culture, where there is no truth or truth is relative in the eye of the beholder, they say. But Jesus makes an exclusive and distinct claim to the truth. He has explained God fully and completely, better than the prophets, better than false religions. Christ has explained God Totally. Moreover, Christ is the only way to God. That's what we saw last week in John chapter 14, verse 6. He is the way and the truth and the light. The only way to God is through him. These are the two essential elements of the gospel. A life in God, an abiding eternal life, and the exclusive gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paves the path to God. He is the means to turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. If we want to make an illustration, the life in God is the fulcrum, and Jesus Christ is the lever. Or you could say, the life in God is the ship sailing the tumultuous waters of this life, and Jesus Christ is the rudder directing the ship. A life in God is the bow, and Jesus Christ is the arrow. There are two essential elements integrated. They simultaneously provide life for the believer. But the gospel doesn't stop there. There's one remaining element that we must look at before we begin John chapter 1, verse 1. And this element is, what powers the arrow in the bow? 
What steers the rudder in the ship? What is the counterweight to the lever and the fulcrum? Too often in the Christian life, we, by our own sheer force of will, push. We force the gospel into our own hearts. We try and take the kingdom of God by violent means, by our own striving, our own will, our own birth, our own traditions of men, our own scheming, philosophy, intellect, and reason. And we go out in the world with this human armor and attempt to evangelize the world. We have the gospel, Jesus Christ. We have the hope of God, the life of God. But we depend upon our own strength. But there's but one strong arm that can move this divine implement. And this is the very power of God. And it's found in the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the counterweight. The Holy Spirit is the captain at the helm of the rudder. The Holy Spirit is a strong arm that pulls back the arrow in the bow. The Holy Spirit has two roles. It convicts the world of sin, and it leads the believer. So for those of us that are listening that have not yet believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and possess true, abiding, genuine life in God, may we pray that the Spirit convicts you, convicts you of your sin and convicts you of your own righteousness, and it calls you into a relationship with God through the Word of God. And as a believer, may we stop hammering upon the lever of Jesus Christ. May we stop attempting to pull back the divine arrow that is the gospel. May we look to the Holy Spirit to lead us, to strengthen us, and to direct us. First, we'll look at how the Spirit works in the unbeliever's heart, in the unbelieving world. And this is going to take us to John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11. Let's go there now. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Helper is the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Vicar of Jesus Christ. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The singular purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. It's convicted all believers of sin. We're born in iniquity and sin, as David says, and we read that no one can know the heart. It's desperately wicked. Who can understand it? We're apart from God, and apart from the Holy Spirit convicting us, we will remain apart from God. The Holy Spirit convicts all. And this is the essential element to a life in God, to being born not by your own will, your own flesh, not by the traditions, not by religion, not by church membership or baptism, but we're born by God's will, power, and might. And this is reflected in the power of the Holy Spirit as it convicts us of our sin, leads to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the other sign of the Holy Spirit, the other side, the other side of the Holy Spirit is that it leads the believer. And we're going to look at four ways. There's, there's many more, but we're going to look at four ways specifically that the Holy Spirit leads the believer and powers the gospel forward. The Holy Spirit is the animator of this divine working. First, John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. 
The Holy Spirit provides the means to have a personal relationship with God and Jesus Christ. They live in us through the Holy Spirit. This is unique, and this is new. The prophets of old did not have God and Jesus Christ living inside of them. This is unique to the Christian church, and this is what something we should take great joy in. This also is an affront to the world, for the Holy Spirit is the great testament. It proves out the life in God and the power of the exclusive gospel. It confronts the empty life, the empty promises of this world. The what-is-truth statements fall flat on their face in the face of Jesus Christ. He blows them over, for he gives true life. He pulls us from this world of darkness, from our depression and despair, from the meaningless of life, and gives us eternal, abiding, forever, unbreakable purpose in the will of God. And we see this conviction in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, where on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches the gospel. And it pierces, it pierces the unbelieving heart. This is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what ultimately brought these new believers into a relationship with God. They were convicted, they were pierced the heart, and then they repented of their sins and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but now possessing a full relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit also has teaching ability. That's what we see in John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The Holy Spirit is our great teacher. The Holy Spirit also allows us to have full access to God's power. So we see in John chapter 16, verse 23 through 24. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. God gives us what we ask. And this is what we talked about a few weeks ago with our desires are aligned with the desires of God's heart. So as we ask, we ask according to God's will, and he grants our request. So he may be glorified, and we may be assured and emboldened in our faith. And finally, the Holy Spirit produces godly fruit, divine eternal fruit for God's kingdom. John chapter 15, verse 7 through 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Even if we manage to go out on the streets and serve as the counterweight, even if we manage to captain the divine ship or pull back the bow of the gospel and strike with deadly accuracy in men's hearts, convicting them of their sin, this is not for God. This is for our own vanity. We may only produce fruit for God if we depend entirely on the Holy Spirit to empower the gospel. Beware. Work for God by God's power. Not for God by your own power. Not by your own strength, discipline, sacrifice, or duty. No, we work for God from a loyal and loving heart, dependent upon Him to move the mountains, depending upon Him to change hearts and minds. This is 
the Christian way. And God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, aligns our will with his. Daily we're transformed. And daily we now desire men and women to come to know God. For this is the very desire of God's heart, as we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-4. through 4. This is the good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires all men to be saved. Certainly men reject Jesus Christ, reject God's extension of his grace and mercy, and they will go to hell. But God's immutable, unchangeable will reflected in the manifestation of his only son, Jesus Christ, and his death, his sacrifice upon the cross, his blood to atone for our sins, is proof positive that God desires all men to be saved. And this is his unchanging heart. This is what convicts the believer to evangelize the world, and this is where we will stop. 97 AD, seven years after John penned this very gospel, in the very town John penned this gospel, Ephesus, 97 AD, the streets of Ephesus are filling. They've come to celebrate the Feast of Katagogion, an idol-worshiping feast. And Timothy, the young man who received this letter from Paul, is now a leader of the church, and he comes out and confronts this idolatrous crowd, and he presents the gospel, the life that he possesses in God, the exclusive nature of Jesus Christ, and he is convicted in his heart, in his very marrow, by the Holy Spirit. And the crowd rages and roars as he continues to present in love and mercy the truth of God, convicting men's souls. But men reject the truth. They beat him with clubs and sticks, and they leave him in the street to die. Members of the church drag him back to his home, and two days later he dies. This is the very spirit that works in the Christian. We are now possessed, we are now owned by God himself. God works in us. This is not a one foot in the water, one foot out. This is a full abiding life with God. We must check ourselves and ask ourselves, do we have an abiding life with God as the scriptures entail, as the scriptures describe? Anything else, we're faking ourselves. Anything else is disingenuous and profanes the very sacrifice of Christ. At the very least, we must admit that our life could be stronger, could be more dependent upon God. So this week I pray that we can have a conviction, a conviction not of our own will, not of our own strength, but a conviction of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to move us, to animate us, to achieve God's will. May we serve as Timothy served and call this world of its half-truths and full and complete lies as false. May we claim, may we raise up the unique, sufficient, all-powerful gospel of Jesus Christ and depend upon the life of God to strengthen us and the Holy Spirit to move us. Thanks for joining us. You can listen to the Herald's other episodes at brennanflanagan.com. Have a great week. 